We are Unseen Artists, and we are giving the stage to underrepresented voices. I'm Courtney. And I'm Noelle. And this week, join us as we go down into the depths of hell for Town. For those of you who don't know this show, basically all men are fools. Also that. (laughs) I just like to summarize as all men are fools. That is what I call it. But it is indeed the story of Orpheus and Eurydice, where if you know anything about mythology, we will talk more about it later. But it is the story of Orpheus and Eurydice with music. So it premiered April 17th of 2019. No end date. We're still running. It's going to go until we die, probably. At the Walter Care Theater. I hope so. It is. I know. I hope so, too. It is currently the longest running show at the Walter Care Theater. Um, oh. as of last January so we've even looped another year in since then um the books the book music and lyrics were all written by Anais Mitchell who I was just telling Noel before we got on here I knew her as Anais Mitchell the singer songwriter and until today did not really know she was the same person who wrote Hades Town so that was a fun journey for me as well for those of you who did not know her prior to Hades Town, she is a huge folk artist. She won the Caribou Folk Fest in 1998 at the age of 22, which is one of the biggest folk awards. Um, she was signed by Righteous Babe Records, which, again, if you don't know, is the crea- was the creation of Ani DeFranco to help women singer-songwriters take off and, you know, not be stuck in this deadbeat world of 360 contracts and whatnot so again she created all of this and it actually started as a concept album back in 2010 well 2006 is actually when it started she decided she wanted to tell the story she tried to put it on as a stage show then and then she added some music and then she just couldn't get it together how she wanted it so instead she released this concept album in 2010 um i did listen to that today and it is it's very different. It's a lot more folky and mellow than the actual Broadway production, as you can yeah. imagine. She had been working on it for years before that mm-hmm. concept album. I actually know from this book that I've been reading. Yeah. In 2006. Well, they were performing it as a concert type mm-hmm. musical, not even musical, yeah. but like a concert type of production before that. And so I thought that was really interesting. Yeah. By the time that yeah, she- this has been um, a- a long co- time coming yeah yeah and so the 2010 happened because she couldn't figure out what else to do and she was like i just have to get this out there now and so this came about and she did the um Eurydice part fun fact which i know i just saw this show two or three weeks ago but in the original concept album ani defranco did the persephone part and so yeah. now i really want to go see it again like next week we're <laughs> doing it on broadway because how fun and how long time coming is that? Um, I don't know if she's so done any other So you told but... me how excited you were about Ani DeFranco coming. And I was like, I don't know who that is. And um, because I am me and you mm-hmm. are you. And right. um, somebody, oh, the person sitting next to me at How uh, how to Dance in Ohio explained to me who Ani DeFranco was. <laughs> Because I was talking to my dad. Should know. You should know. And she could, and 
because she's a feminist artist i don't know man she's like really well regarded in the like queer community like lesbians love her that is what the woman who sat next to me at it how to dance in ohio told me and yeah. so it was like, okay. And then I started reading this book and she had talked about that. And I knew we had already had this conversation. I was like, oh my God, that's so interesting that she was one of the like early ones um, mm-hmm. that sort of helped develop, not that she was like actively in it, but that um, Anais was like viewing her or like using her kind of yeah. essence and stuff as to like create these characters. And so I found that really interesting. And it was her record oh, label so yeah. that released this concept album. So, you know, okay. full circle. So that's cool. But yeah, that was the uh, 2010 concept album. And she was nominated for a Grammy for Best Recording Package. However, she did not win that year. But don't worry, because come back to 2020 and she does win a Grammy for the Best Musical Theater Album for Town. So again, long time coming, but we've made it. So you're telling me that there is a 2017 live recording, um, original Broadway recording? No, recorded live from the Canada production that they did in Edmonton. Uh, Oh, I read a lot about that one. Yep. Yep. So pre-Broadway, but not, not all the way back to concept album, sort of in between but that is the production that I, so like when I first downloaded it, it was before they recorded the original Broadway album, but like a lot of the people are the same, uh, but it mm-hmm. depends because yeah. they sort of like picked up and and dropped people sort of as they went. Um, there are a lot of people that were on it for like a really long time, like Amber it's Gray well curated. And, mm-hmm. and Patrick um, Page. Yeah. And Patrick Page. Um, who are both incredible we've talked about uh Patrick Page before and how much I love him but I've actually worked with Amber Gray who I am obsessed with um and she's just like incredibly talented and incredibly humble um and just a beautiful person and like uh let me go into a side tangent have I already done a side (laughs) tangent already in this it's fine I don't think you have but where did you work with her was that Macbeth. So, yeah. So on the okay, Scottish so I don't Macbeth. think so. And um, and then she was brought in. Okay, anyway, I'll, I'll tell two <laughs> stories. Two two okay, short great. stories. So I uh worked on Macbeth. I subbed for a friend, and I came in. I uh to do COVID safety stuff uh when we were doing that, and I was like, okay, I'll come in. I did like a day of training and we talked around, but I didn't really like meet that many people. And so it was like, okay, here's what I'll do. As they come in, I will introduce myself. And if I introduce myself, they will introduce themselves back to mm-hmm. me. Right? No, sure. not right. Not right. <laughs> I remember That's this not story what happened. What happened. <laughs> so I kept being like, hi, blah, 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 blah. And people would be like, oh my gosh, hi, nice to meet you. And walk away. And I was like, great. So I kept looking to like the stage door guy and and the other COVID safety person who was like, just who would be checking like the um, Nederlander Schubert people or whatever. I can't even remember which theater that is part of. I think it's Schubert. Um, But we'd be checking the, yeah, it's Schubert. We'd be checking the Schubert theater or the Schubert people and being like, oh, like, who is that? I don't know. And like, not everybody looks like their headshot. 
people like to use headshots that look nothing fucking like them. And so I'm like looking at these people. I'm trying to like match whatever. And so I had people helping me. And then of course, Amber Gray walks in and I've been obsessed with Hades town since I, since 2019 when I moved to New Jersey mm-hmm. and I listened to it and I was like, this is incredible. And so I knew exactly who Amber Gray was. I had seen her on stage three times already. Cause I saw the production three times before 2020 even happened. And I was like, yeah, but I still did the same thing. Like, hi, I know. And she goes, oh my gosh, hi, nice to meet you. I'm Amber Gray. And part of me goes, <laughs> I know. I know you're, you are Amber Gray. I know you're Amber. Like, I didn't say all this out loud, of course, but in my head, I'm going, yeah, I sure. know you're Amber Gray. Of course, you're fucking Amber Gray. You're Amber Gray. Um, right. But all that, whatever. Anyway, it's fine. So then- I work on Black Swan, the musical, which I don't know if that's actually coming to become a thing or whatever. We brought her in. She came in because our we had people who got COVID and she had to come in and sub. And so, of course, she comes in. And I'm like, Amber, I actually met you. I subbed for Miranda on Macbeth because I'm like a fucking... I'm like so calm and cool with like so many people. But for some reason, Amber Gray really gets to me. And I'm like you yeah and I actually met you and um it's so lovely to work with you again and I'm so glad that we can be here in the same space again and those people <laughs> and I'm yeah. like you probably sounded uh, cool calm and collected though like around her it's just telling the story you're not that cool calm and collected. <laughs> I hope that I did because I hope I didn't sound like a psycho because I tend you to probably. be pretty cool and calm, cool calm and collected <laughs> as a person like, yeah. I mean, well, not as a person, but like in interacting with people like this, right. you know, as I'm like, uh, yeah, you're Amber Gray. It's fine. Um, but yeah, she's just so sweet and talented and incredible. And yeah, anyway, I love her so much. Um, so anyway, she was one of the ones um, on that original album. And then, yeah, like just like people came in and I was kind of curious. People was, came and went until they got to Broadway and they had this curated team that yeah. they like put together. But like Rachel Chavkin, the director, had been sort of like on that for a really long time and was part of making a lot of she was in it from the beginning the process. Mm-hmm. Um, or like from the beginning of like really trying to get it produced. Right. I, mean, I think they made yeah. it 2012. Yeah. Yeah. Post concept album, but like real far before Broadway um Um, I think one of the things that was said in the foreword of this book or in the introduction or something was that she had been working on it for like seven years when she met Rachel and that one of the things that Rachel was like oh I can't wait to you know work on this with you or edit it with you or like I can't wait to see you know as we edit it and she's like um I've been working on it for seven years already like (laughs) this is my baby um but yeah um it's really cool i guess i'm gonna plug this book really quick um it's called working on a song the lyrics of hadestown um written by anias mitchell and it's literally um it's a really nice read if you're a creative or if you're just like interested in the show if you're interested in her um it's just a really nice read because it basically goes through all of the songs and lists the finalized lyrics the broadway lyrics mm-hmm and it talks about she talks about um the sort of development that it went through of like her early stuff and then 
of the different big productions that it went through, which was Off-Broadway, Canada, London, and then to Broadway. And um, and so as things like changed and developed as they went through it and as they got different characters and as she sort of talked to Rachel and to um, the scenic designers and like other people that she sort of like um, was on the process of this and all these different changes that she made. Um, and it's interesting because even just as a writer, if you're not a songwriter, but just a writer, mm -hmm. um, she de definitely talks about um, being really connected to certain lines and being really interested in keeping them in there. And then, them, you know, over time sort of realizing like, okay, that's not, it's not what's working for this now. Yeah. Um, but she talks about rhyming and she talks about um, like different things like that. And so it's, it's really an interesting read, but it's you know it's not it, it, it's not heavy it's not you know you can read it like in pieces it's not like you need to read it you know cover to cover right. um because it's like beginning to end sort of thing it's it's all developmental process and so it's very interesting I want to say like for writers books like there's so much overlap whether it's if you're writing music and if you're writing like novels like you can take both and it's a lot of the same like emotions and styles and stuff that go into it because you know we'll sit here. I would love to read this book. And I obviously do not write songs, but I do write, you know, books. But I know that like the book on writing by Stephen King is like, everyone calls it the quote unquote, like Bible of writing. And the people that tell me the most about it are songwriters. Like hmm. I, I also have bought it. I just haven't read it yet. But like, I, so it's been, I mean, I've heard of it from other like novel writers as well, but I've heard of it so much that they like harp on it from songwriters. And so whatever type of writer you are, probably grab this book i haven't read it yet yeah. but it sounds I'll great you borrow so it. probably grab it thanks yeah it um it's really interesting um and especially like for somebody like me who i can like listen to an album over and over and over again and memorize it and then i go and see it on stage and i'm like oh that's different it's very interesting to see how it's changed and so now i kind of do want to go back and listen to that concept album just to see you should the variation because I mean there are things like I like listening to a live recording more than oh, interesting. Like a studio recording I don't always mm. um because I like live music and I like hearing all of the stuff like I don't want the auto-tune and all of the pretty like I sure. like the the quirk quirkiness I guess or like the little imperfections of mm -hmm. what make live live and it's one of the reasons why sense. i like live theater over like movies and why yeah. you know all of these different things and so um it's just been like very very interesting to me but i just feel like it sounds so much like listening to the live recording of the show versus listening to the studio recording i just feel like it sounds so much fuller yeah, I think it, well, this one also, like, once you go to the concept album, it is very stripped down because it's very much a folk album. Like, so it is very different already. Um, but I will say I'm usually not, I'm usually the opposite. I like a produced album as opposed to like a live album, but I will say it was right. six. I love the live, the live version of that one. That's my favorite one to listen to. Well, but, yeah. and that's a little bit different because of the way that their sound system is set up and things like that. Um, and there's mm -hmm. only a few of them and everything is is audio is in the audio you know and there's just the specific 
Well, I also like the the live performers over the recorded album, <laughs> like the people who are performing the songs. Um, yeah, because the I think it's the Broadway one that's live, and then it's the Weston one that's recorded, if I remember correctly, or at least the two that I was listening to at the time. I think they have another one out now. They might, I don't know, but yes, um, but yeah. So what is what is so different with the 2017 live one? Like, what have they some notable changes? Well, like the whole second act is like at the time that they got to the Canada production, the first act was pretty much solidified. And she talks about the first act and and making a lot of really big changes in the off-Broadway and in Canada and like a little bit of stuff as they continued on. And some Mm -hmm. things changed. Yes, it's not it's not exactly the same, but like there were big changes that were made between the um the all the second act music they kind of went in a different direction and really like redirected and changed some of the songs like took some out added some in changed the way that everything was happening and it was very interesting because i mean if you look at it from yes this is the canada version but we're looking at a bunch of americans right and so we had Trump coming in and all of that stuff. And so I think that really influenced, you know, the political climate of our country really influenced what was being focused on in a lot of these, in these songs. And so like, you already have songs that kind of are lent that like build the wall (laughs) and stuff like that. And it was just like one of the things in 2019, just listening to that 2017 concept album, um, driving across the country from California to New Jersey and being in with Alan, um, Al, Alan, who came and talked with us uh, about Jesus Christ Superstar. He was my uh, incredible friend who drove with me across the country. And one of the things that we talked about and listening to that album was like, oh my God, how powerful it was listening yeah. to the lyrics that were there and everything that was part of it. Um, and that was even just looking at it in 2017 and not even looking at it at the 2019 version that it ended up being when it got to Broadway. And so, yeah, it's just. Yeah. And she she made a powerful comment about that song, too, because she did always intend for this to be a political um, play. Needless to say, she wanted it to be a focus As on climate change. Most stuff is. Sure. Yeah. Political she doctor. her plan was to focus on like climate change, which is yeah. why we have all of this like spring and whatnot. And she she said a quote I wrote down that was cute. She said it's a love story, but politics really are romance or really are romantic. And uh, I thought that was kind of funny. But she was like, yeah, when this came out, everyone thought that this was a song about Trump. And she was like, little do they know, I wrote that song almost like over a decade ago. So before this was even in the works, like this song was way, but I mean, when I watched it, because I didn't know how long she'd been working on it, I thought the same thing. I was like 2019. Yeah. Perfect timing. Like she probably started writing it 2016, like maybe 2017. Nope. She, this had just been written and just fit in the political climate as it, as it came about. Well, that was my Um, thinking on it is that not that she wrote it for that, but that it was so relevant. mm -hmm. Certain things that we've seen just become so much more relevant in the current political climate. And so that's what's sort of interesting about it is that it can it can hit on so many levels. Yeah, I'm looking at like the song lists that are uh, 
changed up and it looks like a lot of it is like the order they did take out wind theme which again i think they took out some of the songs that made it a little folksier um moving it from edmonton to broadway which makes sense because you know they want those powerful hits you can't like yeah. go sit with your guitar in the corner and quietly play a song to a full theater for two and a half hours so it makes sense all the songs are just so beautiful anyways yeah uh, truly I, um I do you it. want a fun fact that i have from this book i do i love fun facts i know and you always give me fun facts but i have a fun fact i know i probably don't know this one tell me what it is i hope you don't because then it will be slightly less fun but um any way the wind blow was the original act one opener oh i don't think i i don't know i think it might be the the first song on the concept album and road to hell was a different one and they ended up she ended up switching them um after a lot of it ended up being interesting because she was oh, talking no. about how there's a a theme sort of with musicals with like creating musicals and like the type of songs there's like a big group number and then there's like a number that introduces mm-hmm. the characters and like which she did a really um, good job at organizing that well and so she talked about she's like i didn't do it intentionally but when you look at like they tell you how to create a musical and it becomes like this broken down thing and she's like yeah because that's how it is the most well received and she's like mm-hmm. i didn't even think about it that way until i had already organized it sort of and then was like oh yeah it really follows the same pattern because yeah. that's how you make a good musical and i wonder if that's because she i mean this was so I think Hades Town was her fourth album, but she's gotten she's released I think eight under Anias and then like three or four under other musical acts, and so mm-hmm. I wonder if it was that prep of putting albums together, and when she had you know duets or had multiple people in a song, she thought about placing them for an album, and that's why it came out that way when you put it on the stage because I mean mm-hmm. that's you know I I would think about that. Because I know that's I know it's not as common now that people think about albums and what order they're in. Because there's a lot of singles, but especially in 2010 when this album came out, people were still ordering albums in the way that makes most sense to hear. Uh, anyway, the wind blows is not on this concept album at all. I just forgot. I must have been looking at the other album when I saw it. Um, so yes, that is a fun fact. It starts with wedding song. Oh yeah yeah so she added a bunch more stuff after that yeah it's it's a like 57 minute album so there's been stuff added for sure also fun fact this uh for february of 2024 it is opening again at the lyric theater in london so if you're in the uk go check it out as well i did note all of the tony wins it has which are eight it did very well. I mean, I remember I didn't watch these Tonys, but I remember them winning it all anyways, because it was on every billboard and taxi you passed in New York. So uh-huh. it was hard to miss. But they won Best Musical, Best Original Score, Best Performance by an Actor in a Featured Role, which was Andre DeShields, Best Scenic Design, Rachel Hawk. Hawk? Is that how you say her name? H-A-U-C-K? Probably. I've I've heard her name before. Um, best lighting bradley king best sound design nevin steinberg and jessica paz best director by rachel shopkin 
and best orchestrations michael chorley and todd sikafus and so they just like ran it across the board one of the things we've talked about is that it is based off of a myth orpheus and eurydice fun fact for you that i that makes sense but i didn't realize it but that's also the same myth that started the story for moulin rouge did you realize that no i had no idea i also didn't but then i thought about it and i was like oh i get it like spoiler alert for moulin rouge if you haven't seen it you can skip 20 seconds or so nicole kidman dies and you've seen the movie though right you saw the 2001 movie yeah because you hated it and Ian McGregor is like this poor singer who just wants to write her songs. And then they have this like overlord guy that's the Maharaja that's in charge of everything and making all these rules to why they can't. And I was like, I get it now. I see it. But I totally <laughs> did not see it at all. Because I was trying to look and see like where the story came into play. So I, I don't know the story nearly as well as you do, but I have done a little bit now of reading and I really liked how she incorporated it into, like, into making this musical. Did you read anything about the myth specifically in your book? Or do you know anything else about it that you want to tell anyone about the myth? I don't know that much about it, actually, because I knew a lot of stuff about the gods, but these are, like, demigods. Mm. Um, so, like, I know really well the story of Hades and Persephone. Uh, but not as well the story of Orpheus and Eurydice. Uh, but I did know that it was sad and I knew that it didn't end well. Well, it and seems... I think it's so funny that you messaged me after you saw it and you were like, men. Uh, yeah, I was just. Can't uh, trust men. Orpheus. I think I said men would like... disappoint you or something because God bless him. She needs a good punch in the face. But it does take a lot from the original story. But the original story is that they were already in love. They were together. And it's not that she... There's different versions of it, obviously. Um, But there's some where she goes off into the woods to get something and is bitten by a snake and dies. And that's what kicks off the whole story where he goes to... Like, he goes down to hell to get Eurydice. Get her back. Uh Uh-huh. And then there's also where she's just off in the woods with some like nymphs, like dancing and playing and is like seduced down into Hades or down into hell in the underworld, which is more of what we see. But obviously they changed it a little bit to be more about the political climate, to be about, you know, um, right. like poorer people and for the climate change and all of this. So that was all really included because of Anais Mitchell and I'm sure other people that worked on it but capitalism is such a thing that i see so prominently in this and it's like Mm -hmm. it hurts my soul but it does such a good job of not only like changing these small things but never taking away from the original story it doesn't change the rules like the rules are still as a living person you can only go down to hell one time and come back um, yeah. I don't know that, that that's the rules I assume in this play because it is how it plays out um, and then so when he does that he tries to go back he, it's the same thing that he can't turn around that is the big part of the story and it is also in the musical uh, but he can't turn around he has to have faith and then he doesn't and that's when he messes everything up 
Um, but I don't but think in the that's original a story. man thing. I think that's a human error thing. I think it is an Orpheus the moron thing. No, it's definitely a, it's definitely a human element. And that's what it's meant to show and portray is that humans are fallible, basically. And yep. um, even when you're the son of the muses, you uh, are fallible. It really addresses trust because how do you trust... How do you trust anybody, really? Yeah. But like, how do you trust the god of hell? Right. Or like, yeah. but also, if you're Eurydice, can you imagine how mad you are? You have no control over anything that happens. Yep. First of all, you've been killed in the original by a snake. Obviously, not your choice. Your love of your life comes down to bring you back, and then they just have to do this one task that, again, seems simple, but human nature and all that. And you literally have no control over any of it. I would just be mad all the time if I was your to see. Like Hashtag everyone keeps messing everything up. Fucking patriarchy. Yeah, it was. Ugh. But in the end of the original story, Orpheus does everything he can and begs to go down to hell, and so he dies. Obviously, because you can't go down alive more than once. But in most stories, not only does he die, but his head is removed. And kept up in the world to continue singing to everyone, so his head doesn't even get to go to hell. Um, it's not a it's not That's a happy ending. Creepy. Yeah, and it's a darker ending even than what we see here. So good. Times. If you're gonna good be singing goodness. to me, I would rather have a corpse, a mm-hmm. full corpse singing to me than just a head, like on a spike. Yeah, I don't think that was ever an option. It was just either his head was kept there or he was separated. But he was all down in hell. Like, but again, I only read a very brief overview today. So maybe I missed a version. Listen, Um, but yes. All I know about this is that I am Persephone. Yes. I saw a really great cast. And I did get to see Betty Who as Persephone, which was really fun. Um, And so I've always wanted to see one of her concerts because I've just heard she puts on a great show. And I mean, she did. It was clear to me she's not an actress <laughs> that she is a singing performer but also now that i know that this part was kind of created one first of all created by a singer songwriter like folk singer songwriter and based around like an Ani franco type i was like okay <laughs> everything makes a little more sense now um everything yeah. tracks um so i i don't know enough about myths in the world but i'd like to do you know if there are any other like plays or Anything that like incorporate mythology, either as a musical oh, or I'm as a play. Sure, I don't know off the top of my head, but I'm sure that there are. Um, there, there I is find another that kind of stuff interesting. I don't always do a ton of research beforehand. Sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. It kind of depends on when I find out about it and what's happening and all of that kind of stuff. Um, I was really into mythology in like middle school so I learned a lot about that kind of stuff then but yeah it depends yeah there's also another uh there's another stage play a few of them called Orpheus and Eurydice there's some ballets there is another musical that came out in 2012 I think it said that's Orpheus and Eurydice the myth of Hades maybe or something um that Mm -hmm. is unrelated totally different people that worked on it I could not find any more about it when I was trying to Google more about it. So that might be a fun one to find something on. Um, and then I, there's plenty of TV shows that cover it. 
um, right now. Percy Jackson is out and that's a huge one for everyone. I don't think they ever did like a stage version of that. I don't know. Who they knows? did do Probably a stage couldn't. version of did Percy they? Jackson. Okay. Yep. Well, there you go. There's another one. I was like, that feels kind of true, but I wasn't 100% because I was never a Percy Jackson fan. I just never read it. Um, but yeah, and I, I was telling Noelle before we got on here that I've now like found like eight other shows I need to watch and like three books that you read. I downloaded a whole new podcast. Like it's called Let's Talk About Myths, Baby. And so I can't wait to hear hear all about all of the myths because I missed that obsession in my life that every other child seems to have had. And I'm so behind now. Um, I feel like I need to watch Percy Jackson just to get a baseline of what everyone else in the world already knows about mythology, other than from like science fiction TV. Two things that I want to touch on. One that I thought you might have touched on, which is the fact that it's sort of like a New Orleans style based musical. Like that's the theme of it is like where you feel like it's set when you're looking at it. Which is like interesting and fun and cool because it's like folksy and jazzy and very much centered around the music more than it is, I feel like, around the story, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think that I think that is true. I think I kind of didn't immediately go there because it is that very like stereotypical feel of like what you see when you see a jazz musical set. And so, yes, it does have that feel to it. But I love Um, that because you don't get to see that a lot, I think. Yeah. In in a musical, you don't get to see that a lot. Right. You see it more in movies than you in TV than you do in stage for sure. Yeah, absolutely. The other thing is that um, I love seeing musicians on stage. Mm -hmm. Um, And that is like my favorite thing ever. And so that was one of the coolest things for me about seeing it is not only do we see them on stage, but we actually get to address them by name. And I will tell another side story because that's one thing that really, really bothers me going to see productions is like when I go see a production at the end, so many people leave like before curtain call or like as curtain call is happening. And I think that's just so fucking disrespectful. Like these people put on a show for you and you, the least you can do is clap for them. Right. Like give them at least a little bit of the respect and the accolades of doing the production that they did. But you see all of these people coming on and off and on and off and on and off but there's all of these musicians who are there who get very little credit and this is one of the shows that actually gives the musicians credit you see them on stage they actually call them out by name and I think it's one of the most beautiful things um I want to shout out Marika Hughes real quick because she is one uh she is um on the cello and she has been uh, with the production like really early on. I read a article, yeah, an article in one of the Playbill, in, in one of the Playbills about just music in the production and Marika Hughes being very instrumental in developing it and um, being one of the like people from the beginning. And so uh, I want to shout her out, but also... Like at the end of the show, so when I saw it with 
Alan and Dom, we were there and I, after every show, the actors come out and I clap for them and we do a standing ovation and I will wait and listen to the play out from the musicians because the musicians get so little credit, but they do such an incredible job. I wait until the end. And when yeah. they are at the end, I give them a standing ovation. And it was a very powerful moment for me when I saw it, particularly with Alan and Dom, because so many people were like leaving and nobody was paying attention to what they were doing. And these are musicians that are on the stage. They can see you leaving. They can yeah. literally see you leaving. Like, it's just, it's so disrespectful to me. But so we were standing there and I'm waiting and I'm and listening so to them. so cute on the quick. stage. And then when they were done, I clapped and was like cheering for them. Woo! Like I do. Mm -hmm. And Marika Hughes made eye contact with me <laughs> and like smiled at me. And it was like, how often do these incredible musicians have yeah. people that really appreciate them? Because how do you show people that you appreciate them? Like if you've messaged them on social media, but you didn't stay and think flat for them, that yeah, is the I... that you get after a show is that's the people standing and cheering for you. It's not the people that are leaving out the back. I don't care what you paid. It is so yeah, disrespectful. It is very disrespectful. And I'll say it, that was one of the moments that I was like, Betty, who was like such a musician and not an actor because of the way she like introduced the band members. <laughs> like it was very much like, and so it's only keys. Like, and I know, I know they introduced, but it was just like, it just felt like I was like at a concert, like with yeah. these people who are playing the instruments and because they are there and they, you know, you see them like react to stuff and you see like their facial expressions and it's not again like you said they're not hidden away yep. they're on the stage they're part of the show they're not just they're the not music actors, they are yeah. but they have to interact and it makes a big difference mm -hmm. if you have musicians who can interact and ones who can't it just like yep. it makes a difference and i just want you to know if you are one of those people who as soon as the lights go down and you're trying to run out because you're like i need to get my car out or whatever you're trash it's a long time to play for a show too like it's it's a lot i did i clapped i always do but uh i was in the very front row because i had the um the lottery seats and i was just like coated in like smoke for like half of the show and i was like if i can stand here and breathe long enough to clap you all can too because <laughs> i cannot breathe at the end of the show it was a lot so i don't recommend sitting in the very front row if you can help it but my tickets were at least half the price of everyone else's and like a seventh of the price of the people around me so it is what it is. Um, but I did really like bury the lead. I had a really insane cast that I saw when I was, like I just saw it a couple weeks ago. And mm -hmm. some people that stuck out were like Philip Boykin played Hades. And I had not seen him in anything else. But after a list, I mean, I've heard Patrick Page and he's amazing. But after hearing like Greg Brown did the concept album, he was just so low-key folksy. And then you have this like Philip Boykin, like this huge presence, and he just did such an incredible job. Um I saw Jordan Fisher who played Orpheus and I really at first was like, what's the hype? I don't know. I don't get it. No, he's incredible. If you have a chance to see him in anything, 
He's amazing. Absolutely do it. Ugh. I died. And um, leaving today as we record this, Saleya Pfeiffer played Eurydice. And I don't know if you've seen her in anything, but that, like, don't get me wrong. Jordan Fisher was absolutely incredible. I've seen very few people that are as good as he is on the stage. But Saleya Pfeiffer also, like, made that role. Like, their chemistry and her skills in that role, so good. And then, of course who just announced today they've extended through the end of March for the last time, but has extended through March 17th. Uh, Lilia Swite played Hermes. And so that was also a very cool. So like, I, I got to see this her. like really like stacked cast too, which was really great. I was but, yeah. very blessed in that I saw it a couple times. I The first time I saw it, I saw the understudy for Eurydice. So I didn't see Eva Noblezada. Noblezada. I did see but I did see her afterwards and I've seen her now for when this comes out, I will shout out, we will talk about it later, but I will shout out the great Gatsby on Broadway. And if you're in the Broadway area, definitely go see the great Gatsby, see her. She's incredible. But I got to see her. I got to see Reef Carney. I got to see Patrick Page who, and Amber Gray, of course. And I saw um, just like so many fucking incredible people. It's just, oh it's such a good show you just have to see it literally anybody who's ever like oh yeah i think i like katie's town i'm like yeah go see it yep no it's a it's probably my favorite it's as good as they made it out today i mean as it's as good as they made it out to be like there's a lot of stuff that's overhyped that gets one really big hit or one really big cast and everybody forever is like this is the greatest show that's ever existed that's existed but no this one's really good and so definitely i mean i'm seeing it four years later five i don't know how many years later four years later five years later and it's still just as good and they're still bringing in fresh cast members and like they are i mean ani defranco's in it now like it's there's a reason it's lasted this long on broadway Um, yeah absolutely so absolutely well if you don't have any final thoughts after that please tell the people where they can find us oh my gosh you can find us on our website always unseen artists org we have a contact page we have our social media on there we have like so many things what we're doing there's a donation page if you want to see more from us i have lots of things that i would like to do um if you want to donate if you want to donate your time um hit us up we love people who want to get involved with us um so please get into us if you don't want to just go directly to the website you can email us directly info at unseenartists.org um that will always get directly to us both of us have that so uh we can find it that way um or you can hit us up on social media um we suck at social media we're working on it but you know we're doing our best as non-social media millennials and so you but you can find us on all the social media at unseen artist org make sure that unseen artist is singular and you can just message us you can comment on things you can send us stuff whatever um we want to see stuff we want to hear your thoughts suggestions feelings whatever we're here for that so yeah get get at us yeah um and on that note I'm Courtney. And I'm Noelle. And we are Unseen Artists. Bye-bye.